So if, if, if you if you been kind of watching anything or, or enjoying anything of late in terms of appreciating stuff? Well, I've been um, doing a, a lot of YouTube video watching. Um, oh, cool. Which led me to reading an essay by a guy called Walker Percy. Right. Who's that then? I, d I don't know Walter Percy, so you're going to educate me. I don't know him either. I've, in actual <laughs> fact, I've been calling him Wanker Percy. <laughs> is that, is that he, like the per Percy in Blackadder, I guess? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. got a, um, well, he featured in a YouTube video by um, this guy, Plastic Pills, that I right. follow on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of his videos are pretty good. Um, yeah, I've got a whole, <laughs> a whole. That's a a whole another um, topic of conversation. Okay. About, yeah. Like stuff he's been doing with his video. We actually talked about it last time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's had to revamp his videos, and I think he sort of overshot it a bit. Somewhat. Um, I I think, but then when I watched it, I was like, oh, I, okay. Much better audio, much better this. Um, okay, and I'm able to kind of comprehend it, but I doubt I would have been able to comprehend anything as an introduction video. Um, well, this but, is the thing, isn't it? Is, it? is as as a as a creator, if you forget your audience and you and then you start to become ashamed of your early work, but that your early work is part of your formation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's doing uh, it for the goal—the goal of appreciating. There. Well, <laughs> I, think. I think that he's. I think that he's um, essentially um, being duped by um, having only the um, well-educated um, commenters on his YouTube video, giving him the impression that the only people who actually appreciate his work are people who um, are making really salient comments <laughs> on his videos. Right. Like, ah, oh, that's a very, oh, everybody understands this. Oh, everything that I'm doing is far too basic. I'll have to up my game. Whereas actual fact, I've, think that maybe 90% of his audience are watching his video going, I kind of get it. <laughs> I kind of get it, but I'm not quite sure yet. I'll have to watch it a few more times. But, what, but he why, does a why, brilliant job. <laughs> what, what I don't understand about that principle of replacing, like why not just say that's the ba that's the introductory thing and now have an intermediate thing? And uh, yes, I've upped my skills in video production, but but like... Yeah, it's the same as like Dylan's early tapes are all kind of scratchy and whatnot, but they're they're part of the formation. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it's the the George Lucas disease um, of yes. of not leaving the original because <laughs> you're thinking I'm embarrassed by it, and that <laughs> that's. Uh... I've actually got. Uh, there's a guy who actually took all of those and they're, they're called the de-specialized edition and they've taken them back to the originals. They're brilliant. Harmies. Harmies. Yeah, that's it. That's Harmies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to Walker Percy because I know he features in one of Plastic Pills' videos, which is right. awesome. But 
amusingly, this is if it was something that uh, Plastic Pills does, uh, is whenever he um, quotes Walker Percy, he does a funny voice. He goes, well, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure I would be more embarrassed of that. In fact, I think I've heard him talking about it in sort of face palming. Oh yeah, oh, right. I can't yeah, stand yeah. it. Um, but basically, this essay um, called "The Loss of the Creature" by a guy called Walker Percy. Um, it begins by making an assertion that when you visit the Grand Canyon then you're never going to view the Grand Canyon in quite the same way as the first person experienced the Grand Canyon. Because you have a preconceived notion, I guess. Yeah, you've got yeah. What, what Walker Percy calls a preformed complex. You know? And it, is, is, is that because of existing stimulus about it? Yeah. Right, or what, or maybe even what you've heard about it. You, you, uh, I think neuroscientists call it top-down processing. Mm -hmm. This idea of preformed knowledge that informs yeah. your perception of something. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. That's right. cool. You've you've read the brochure. You've seen the pictures. Um, you've started formulating. Wow, that's incredible. What must it be like to visit there? And yeah, and you, and what happens? is that you go to visit the Grand Canyon and you're now you're you're now trapped in in measuring the degree of satisfaction that you're going to actually get whether or not it conforms to these uh preformed complexes that you've built up in your mind um whether it exceeds that um but I don't think it can really exceed your expectations because it's been built no. up too much well and, and 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 that's an interesting thing i i had this sort of like theory and i wanted to sort of uh explore it at one point the the instagram effect of of traveling so i noticed particularly in norway there's this phenomenon of people going to these places that they've seen on instagram because norway is a very instagrammed place by by travelers and it i've noticed people seem to be going to the nth degree to replicate the Instagram image that they saw to go there rather than actually experience the place. Do you, <laughs> if, yeah. Do you think yeah. they've actually seen it with their naked eye or do you think no, they've basically no, viewed it through the lens of their smartphone or their iPad or. Yeah. And they're, the and they're trying to recreate that for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this leads Walker Percy on this essay where he's mm -hmm. making some rather excellent points about the way in which um, we no longer experience things firsthand. We, everything that we're going to see is basically in the pursuit of ticking something off in a, in a box. Oh, I've got to go and see this site because I've already seen it before, but I, I want to see it with my own eyes, but I don't go in, and see yeah. it with my own eyes. In some kind of weird bucket list kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. He then um, goes on a little uh, meander. <laughs> it's a bit like us. <laughs> he, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, goes, he goes down this avenue where he raises this um, 
uh, point about perhaps there's a couple and they're traveling in maybe Arizona um, and they, uh, yeah, I, I mean, basically it could be this couple have gone to see the Grand Canyon um, and then after that they're going down to Tucson and they, they notice a little road off to the side and they travel down it. So they're thinking, oh, I wonder what's down here. This looks interesting. Um, and they encounter an Indian village and it's beautiful and they, they think, wow. Um, um, it turns out that the day that they're visiting is some very holy day um, where um, all the village, all the villagers come out and do this like ancient Indian ritual with dancing, and they're kind of invited to sit and be part of it. And they're actually spending most of their time talking about um, uh, an ethnologist that they know. Oh, oh. He's got to, oh, we've got to, like, take photographs to show him. Um, and, oh, he would be really interested in this. Oh, you know. And then they start kind of not enjoying the experience because they're expecting at some point someone to come out and go, right, okay, cut. We're not making a, a, a and they've been duped because they're not used to having authentic experiences anymore. They're all thinking it right. must be a Disneyland thing. Um, so it's, 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 it's that kind of, I suppose it's that, that social media thing of like, if a photo doesn't exist, it didn't happen. Or, mm. or even that, that philosophical thing of like, a, if a tree falls in the wood and no one's there to see it, did it happen? I think it goes further than this job. Okay. I, yeah, mean, okay. I think it, I think that, that's part of it, but um, I think that really it's this, um, we have to get it certified by an expert or we have, okay, to, have or our, yeah, okay, yeah. have to have our um, experience validated by our friends. Um, it's no longer good enough to experience something we have to go outside of that. Um, and in mm. actual fact, I think what, what uh, Walker Percy is talking about here is when the, when the couple are actually witnessing this old ancient dance, there, there's a need for this ethnologist to certify their experience as genuine. Without his approval, what they've experienced may be lacking in being genuine also right. at the same time so they can't really enjoy it because they're not quite sure what this is and in addition to that yeah they want to talk to him but they're not actually interested in what he has to say they couldn't right. give okay. a damn they're not going right. to listen to him they want him to stamp his approval like a like right. in facebook so, and, and, and 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 i suppose it's not just any like, because like on Facebook, you could post something and get a million likes, but maybe you want the like from a certain person to give 
that them to give approval. A super like, a, a super a like, yeah, yeah. A, a, yeah, a trophy like of yeah. well, <laughs> this person liked my photo. I've done it myself with a a, a, a rather famous photographer, um, mm. someone very high up in the world of photography liked my photo in Tokyo. Um, right. And I can't tell them. (laughs) (laughs) But their like was more important to me than any other like. (laughs) No, for sure. I mean, I I think like Twitter has that as well, doesn't it? Like if, and I've, I've seen people get more excited that a celebrity has liked something that they've posted or retweeted. And that, it comes back to that kind of clout score, doesn't it? <laughs> that it does. person has more clout. So, that, so yeah. that's right. That's right. And um, <clears throat> and and so this whole this gets into uh, this essay kind of ends with this uh, um, discussion about art and culture, where saying that actually, if the the goal of appreciating art yeah um becomes like um these academic conversations about art oh well you'll appreciate it because you now understand this it's self-defeating in the whole well, the, argument there the, the was a famous case of this where somebody some years ago f- faked uh, art gallery showing and said it was about uh, by this person Nate something and I can't remember their surname Nate okay and and they actually kind of created this thing uh, a major gallery and like all these celebrities like Bowie and that came and everyone was and it, it was all made up this person didn't exist it was like somebody's dad had sort of just done some dabs <laughs> or something. It, it, the, and, and the whole thing was to expose the kind of lewd like somebody had said this is important so then everybody sycophantically comes around and says it's important too because it's more important to seen be seen to like this art artist Mm. and not be excluded than actually just go that's really amazing or or not you know yeah Yeah. or or to go there and go this is shit (laughs) exactly exactly um and I used to think I was a real philistine for not like liking, I know the latest Tate modern thing or whatever, and and some stuff I like, some stuff I don't. But it's a subjective viewpoint. And but I always thought I was some kind of terrible philistine if I didn't like something. <laughs> I think like punk rock, it shouldn't have dogma. <laughs> no, you should you you should like you know. I've always been very eclectic in music and there's there's new stuff that i adore that that other people would just call noise and then there's some like like, i can't put myself in a definition for that because i hate being told what i should and shouldn't like based on i know the era or age or whatever i am so yeah i've got an update for my epitaph john Um, oh yes remember how we were talking and i think it might have been either the first or second podcast fizzy thoughts yes about Here's Kev. He was fizzy <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. my headstone. I think it should be. I think it should be that. Here's Kev. He was fizzy. 
He was the punk who danced to disco. <laughs> yeah. That's mine. No, no. I like that. Because, yeah, I, and I think I still find, you know, the, every time we talk about that, 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 that notion that you're not, it, it's a little bit like, you know, like that Alan Partridge thing where you're doing Bond wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're doing yeah. punk wrong. And it's like, yeah. then you don't understand punk. Then you, you don't understand that. it at all. Um, yeah. And kind of, um, so, so off the back of Walker Percy, I've been thinking about um, the need for validation or to have like people's, um, Certifying, and this is one of the dangers of social media. I find um, that that um, without um, likes on what we write or or our, our images, yeah, because um, I, I actually don't think people read anything anymore. Um, no, a no. few people do. It very very kind of rare, um, mm. um, but yeah. Um, I'm actually writing a book that no one will read. Um, <laughs> and, and the book is about a life um, of a book that isn't read. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a living um, embodiment of a book that was bought but never read. Um, right. It's a kind of... Uh, well, I learnt a um, new Japanese word. Um, Zundoku. Um, right. um, this uh, Japanese concepts about buying books that we never get around to reading. Um, right. Japanese um, uh, has this um, beautiful word, Zundoku. Um, and, and I thought, ah, <laughs> I often kind of encounter words in Japanese that don't have a um, equivalent, yeah, yeah. An equivalent, mm. and that kind of like at the moment I'm studying semiotics, so I'm kind of like finding this to be like an interesting anomaly where it's like, ah, there's an example of something that has no direct equivalent. So w- would it piss you off then if you wrote this book that is intended never to be read, if then suddenly it became like a bestseller by mistake? That's an interesting question. Um, Could, would you get no? You're doing the book that you're not supposed to read all wrong. <laughs> I guess I think I guess if it became a, a bestseller, I would find it funny. I would find yeah. it hilarious. Um, there would be a certain comedy of yes. of aren't I clever? <laughs> That's what I intended I, all along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if if nobody reads it, then I've kind of like validated my purpose for writing it in the first place, because <laughs> I've yes. got no expectations. The, um, there's a there's there's a beautiful documentary. I think it was made in the early '90s, maybe late '80s, by a, an artist called Jem Cohen, mm. and he makes really beautiful. And, and it's called Lost Book Found, and it's all about like a, a homeless guy in New York had written this book of thoughts and then it had been dropped down a drain. And the whole film is the the documentary maker reading the book and just showing imagery of New York shot on Super 8. And it, it captures sort of New York in a pre-Disney era New York, but it, it has a real poetic beauty. And, and you know that shot 
in American Beauty that everybody goes on about about the plastic bag rotating in the, oh, yeah. in the air. That's yeah. actually stolen from Lost Book Found. Okay. <laughs> so, so, um, and, and and as you say that, that I always think like that was a book that was probably intended never to be read, and it got lost somewhere, and it had all these okay. beautiful thoughts of this person. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, anyway, reminded me of that. I, I, yeah. I, I, I shouldn't really go into much detail about this uh, thing at the moment. I've no, gone because off otherwise a, you you might I've get people hooked. <laughs> Yes, I should keep it secret, shouldn't I? (laughs) What's kind of like going through my mind uh, off the back of Walker Percy is a lot of um, apophenia. Um, Okay, so explain explain apophenia. Apophenia, well, that's the tendency to perceive meaningful connections in seemingly unrelated things. So that's like QAnon. (laughs) Perhaps it's like QAnon. Perhaps it's like we're we're currently watching uh, Adam Curtis's series, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh no! What a classic, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I because uh, I I have to like deal with a conspiracy theorist on a fairly regular basis. Uh, It's not so bad now, um, but there was a point where this person's like pushing their conspiracy theories on me in quite a forceful way. Uh, It's like, I have to say, fuck off. You're you're full of shit. Um, Stop bombarding me with your fucking bullshit conspiracy theory. And I thought could be it could be me like writing on facebook my philosophical theories that no one's reading um you know it's like kev you're doing exactly the same thing you're you're pulling all these ideas together um, right okay yeah, and yeah. and you're coming up with something that uh is equally just a belief and and so thinking about what is conspiracy theory um the um well perhaps the part of a conspiracy theory that can sell a conspiracy theory is a thing called um an aphorism um, right aphorisms are essentially just pithy observations yeah. that contain a general truth um yeah and so thinking about Ah, could it be that I am a conspiracy theorist? Or what's the relationship between conspiracy theorists and um, critical theorists? Um, So I did a a bit of um, reading and studying and listening to podcasts all about conspiracy theory. Um, and came to the conclusion that actually, like, w- what differentiates scientific thought is falsifiability. And you yeah. can't do that with a conspiracy theory because it's a belief. Yeah. Um, the other telltale sign to look for is um, overdetermining. When someone's overdetermining, the causality 
Yes. Of... You know, you've got cor correlation bias and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So we ascribe too much agency to the origin or intention behind the event. And, yeah. and I think, yeah, perhaps I'm guilty. Perhaps I'm guilty as charged. Um, but then you, you, you could argue that, in essence, all philosophy is essentially a conspiracy theory because most of it is unprovable. It's just people musing on, on things. It's not a scientific... Uh, uh evaluation of events often is it well there is one there is one thing that i think differentiates it when i when okay. i think about it further is the acceptance that i could be wrong that's true so yeah, that true. differentiates because i always maintain that this is what i think but i may be wrong i'm kind of like john lydon in rise I could be wrong. I could be right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and and just just sort of reeling back to apophenia. Mm. I just sort of think about this: the tendency to perceive meaningful connections between seemingly unrelated things. And if you start to unpick like Harari and all of these things, essentially, then that is the creation of narrative because essentially we proje we project stories onto meaning we we're creating meaning out of meaningless things because all events are meaningless really mm -hmm. we create we're, meaning we're all weavers aren't we we're all yeah, yeah, like yeah. tying things together trying to make sense of this crazy old world that we live in and i i i do wonder why we're trying to do that like why are we the only species that creates meaning well perhaps we're like walker percy's um couple in that indian village experiencing yeah. things that we can't explain and this isn't this is this goes back to i think a conversation between russell brand and adam curtis where they talk about religion yeah and isn't religion i think russell brand says something like but surely we will eventually run out of of meaning that we can't can explain and that's where we intersect with religion because it's there to say well this explains what we don't understand um and i i really like that you sent me that interview between curtis and and charlie brooker and there was a really nice piece in that where he was saying, are we in an age where we can no longer meaning, we can't follow narrative and therefore we appropriate no meaning and therefore are we in a weird nexus at the moment? And maybe that's a good thing because the hypothesis of everything that we'll talk about in the next one, but everything in that series is, is about maybe creating these great stories is the big problem of, of yeah. humanity. Yes. Because yeah. actually when you look at it, whenever we try and create big meaning and big stories, it always kind of ends in some kind of catastrophe because people agree and disagree on that narrative. It's all phantasmatic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's yes. all phantasmatic. Um, literature that posits itself as real. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that uh, I literally 
have a conversation with somebody on a weekly basis, which is that person wishing me a good morning and me saying, thank you. <laughs> and then I'm like, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> yes. And they're expecting me to return, how are you? Uh, with, so how are you? And now we've got a, a dialogue. But I yeah. keep it as a monologue. I, yeah. I just go, I'm good, thanks. I had a thing, yeah. I had a thing here where I often say to people, all right, and and then they will say no, and then they'll give me the whole story about how they're not. And, and one, one person actually said, stopped mid-sentence and went, ah, oh, that's that British thing where you say that, but you don't actually care what I say in response. I went, yep, you got it now, good. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, the question it's not actually a question yeah. it's a statement yeah, yeah. Um, like basically I'm actually uh, um, I've got a book on a back burner at the moment but it's a book which um, is teaching how to have impossible conversations um, yeah let me find it I've got it on my iBooks Thing. It's an audio book version. Right. I'm kind of into it. Um, what's it called? The title, How to Have Impossible Conversations. Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, having, having consumed this book, I shall become an expert at being able to handle any impossible conversation with a conspiracy theorist. Um, um, but... I've I've done the first chapter, which then kind of like requires the reader to go out and actually um, listen to um, some impossible conversations, um, <laughs> and, and I haven't got around to that. Um, right. Yeah. But basically, or or to spend some time thinking about the impossibility of a conversation. Um, and is is this impossibility like awkward conversations or or, or complete breakdown in communication or everything? It's a, it's a spectrum, um, right? But a spectrum of impossibility. The more impossible, the better, because I think that the the ultimate aim of the book is to um, teach you something about communication, where yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to break down. Now, between me and this other person, yeah, right now, mm. the relationship is so smashed that I don't want, to, I, I don't have time for your conspiracy theory. And, and yeah. like, I know that it's going to be an impossible um, conversation because we shall never manage to agree. I will never appease you by giving you what you desire. Your desire is for me to go, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, aren't you clever? Well, oh, now I'm going to join you <laughs> in your worldview. And, mm. and I'm not going to do that. I... You know, I mean, it, it, it's it, it, it's an interesting thing as well. I think I think like I've I've read a lot about 
I suppose from a business perspective about like like uh, conflicts in the workplace and, and and all of this kind of stuff and how how to enable the difficult conversations I guess rather than impossible but um the one thing that kind of always struck me as I walked away from it is that I think I grew up being very much a mediator and very good at listening to unreasonable people and kind of going oh I hear you and and, and yeah I, I knew how to empathize and and as I've got older, I have got to that point where I can't waste my time. And it's it, it, it's very much like, like I am sure there are people that come into my life like a conspiracy theorist and whatever. And I bet you under some of those layers is an incredibly nice person on some level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that. Yeah. I just can't be bothered to dig because there are lots of other people out there who I don't have to dig that much to, who I can have a more meaningful connection with. And it's not that I look down on that person. It's just, we don't have that connection and I can't be bothered. Talking of digging. Have you seen the movie, the dig? (laughs) No, you, you, you mentioned this about Sutton who, and I've been to Sutton. I mean, it's not, I think it was not that far away from where I grew up, but, um, so I know a bit about it, but I don't know. Obviously, I haven't seen the film, so. Okay, um, I won't. I won't spoil it for you then. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, Is it on Netflix? Yes, it's on Netflix. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, that, I thought. I think that's where I saw something. Yeah. Really cool. um, so, as I was watching the movie, I'm I'm now going to do something a little bit like uh, the couple. Because I know you're a bit of a movie buff, so <laughs> <laughs> so the movie would be better if John had seen it and John approved of it and John understood it and said, "Yes, Kevin, <laughs> you're right." <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But but when I was watching the movie, um, I enjoyed it. Beautifully filmed. Um, mm-hmm. Ralph Fiennes is very good. Um, right. uh, the actress, I can't remember her name. Uh, oh, to my shame, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to um, self depreciate myself as a, a non expert now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I'm, I'm watching a movie. And the, the thing that I enjoyed most about the movie is the thought about the transience of life. Because this right. is an undercurrent of the movie. And I don't know, I, I suspect the large percentage of the audience will see this undercurrent. Maybe I'm going to be thinking of myself as being rather smart and rather clever to I have noticed what they're actually saying in this movie. Right. There's a couple of there's a couple of uh um story arcs where this is a major theme. Um, right. and uh and having watched the movie and, and sort of reflected on it and thought about it through a, the lens of biohacking. Um, and uh, Baudrillard's book, Symbolic Exchange and Death, where I was saying last in the last podcast mm. that death is losing its value um, because we're not yeah. churning out images to feed um, 
the economic system of our time, which is images on social media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, the, like, basically, when we die, um, the value is now lost. But during the time of the dig, uh, they're digging up uh, an ancient uh, burial ship which right. had some which had preserved some awesome treasure from the past yes yep death obviously had a lot more value um to be buried mm. with a ship right yeah <laughs> that was a signifier um, yeah yeah uh, yes um so I'm watching this movie and I've also been like thinking a lot about apophenia and the illusionary pattern perception of the human being about how our brains are really good at spotting patterns. This comes into uh, some Carl Jung that I'm reading and also I'm uh, studying semiotics at the moment mm. as well. So seeing patterns in yeah, yeah. texts or seeing patterns in a conversation. Um, talking of which, um, so I'm, I'm noticing these underlying um, story arcs being about um, that based on the fact that I'm heavily into Baudrillard's book, Symbolic Exchange and Death, and I'm thinking a lot about the value of life, the value of death. Mm. Um, and then I'm watching a movie where they dig up buried treasure, mm. where one of the characters is um, got a disease where they will die young. And another couple in the uh, story are a married couple in a loveless relationship. Mm. where I'm wasting my life. <laughs> and uh, I'm seeing these patterns of, of, of the value of life, the value of death the whole time. It's a dyad. Um, yeah. But then shortly after watching this movie, I'm, I'm, I was writing my book, um, I'm writing a book that's uh, based on this idea of Sundoku. Um, yeah. Instead of it being about a book we um, never read, it's about the life of a person who we never read. Um, right. And again, this is all tying into the value of death, the value of life. Yeah. Mm. Um, and at that point, uh, a magnitude 7.1 earthquake occurred in Japan. Which has got to be scary. And then that instantly brings the value of life, the value of death quite into abrupt focus, I would <laughs> it imagine. Does, yes. It does, bring, <laughs> yeah. it does bring the matter to one sharp focus as one reflects on, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I know we're all on a, a slow journey towards our maker. Um, but it's these ruptures or schisms. I'm, I'm calling them schisms. Um, thinking yeah. about Lacan, uh, thinking about um, the connection um, between 
the reality and the real again, and that the yeah. the real opposes reality, as I I think I've, I must have said a hundred times now <laughs> on this podcast show. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. well of course the real opposes reality, and the reality yeah. is the symbolic and the imaginary. It's the bullshit we put in our heads. It's the bullshit conspiracy theory. It's the bullshit that I think I understand the world. And that's the reality. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you you can never be yourself. You know, uh, another major theme of Lacan is this quest, this desire to be whole. And we can never be whole. Because it's funny, isn't it? It, it, Because we're so unique we assume um because you know i look at my cat my cat's not going around wondering what its purpose is it's just when am i going to eat where am i going to shit where am i going to pit do you know what i mean and, and and it's funny that because if if we were more geared that way would it be bad or would we just experience the experience yeah you know, a bit like like you watch a dog, a dog, you can see the joy of, of just, it just experiences things in, in momentary, you know, and it, it, it doesn't really have much consideration for much else outside of that. And I do wonder whether the more in our heads we get, the more problematic it is for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a trade off. <laughs> Well, it goes back. I suppose it goes back to that thing of you know, in in simplistic terms, it's that sort of Forrest Gumpism, isn't it? He he he's he's so seemingly unaware of thinking too much about himself that he ultimately just experiences things in the moment and therefore experiences all these amazing things. And that's why I sometimes wonder whether things that we call you know, cognitive disabilities or whatever with, with, with uh, uh, aspects of um, autism and, and so forth, whether they are or whether that's actually an evolution because actually we need to stop. Sometimes we need to actually... Being so... Like, if you think about ourselves like a computer, we have various threads running uh, yeah, yeah. currently. And sometimes uh, with... Um, a cognitive disability is basically that thread has crashed and cannot yeah. be started. Um, uh, but but maybe that's evolution kind of telling us something <laughs> to a certain degree. You know, well, it's like well, maybe we shouldn't about, be so overstimulated, and maybe we shouldn't have all of it. Do you well, know what I mean? It, well, it's, when you think about how a virus mutates, it's. Mm. Um, you know this N five hundred one. Is it called N five hundred one V N five? Something. Oh yeah, yeah. A doctor did tell me what the exact number because everybody it, was calling it British the, COVID the or something. Mutation <laughs> yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah, the UK yeah. variant, um, and yeah. I think it's the ah, it's the N five hundred one Y. Um, that's it yeah yeah yeah. come back into my head and why is it the n501 why because the amino acid in the 501st position has switched from an n type to a y type 
Right. And what does that mean? It just means that the spike protein is a little bit more efficient at attaching to yeah. the human ACE, ACE2 receptor yeah. of the cell. And so it can transfer the mRNA uh, more effectively. And in, interestingly, the people in charge of monitoring all of this didn't know that viruses mutated, apparently. No, they, they did. They did, John. <laughs> Under the select committee being asked about it, they said, well, we couldn't possibly have predicted it was going to mutate. <laughs> it was like, I thought that's exactly what viruses do. I think that might be apophenia, John. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you are just detecting from your no, cynical perspective. I think it's just my, cyna- my, my cynicism was calling <laughs> bullshit on what was said in front of a select committee. Yeah. They knew. Of course they knew. Yeah. Of course um, they knew. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, that's actually something that you've just reminded me of. Misinterpolation. <laughs> misinterpolation right i i'm hearing misinterpretation and it's not that is it so tell me what it is so what is interpolation well interpolation is the process of internalizing a culture or ideological values as we encounter them yeah and i think this is what's happening you know we've been talking about conspiracy theory and we've been talking about apophenia and illusionary pattern perception and mm-hmm. we put it all together and sometimes yeah it's straightforward um interpolation that we start building up these uh scaffolding of our ideology mm. by trying to connect the dots and put it together and go, ah, now I understand the world a little bit more. Now I think I've got a good, solid understanding of how the world operates. I'll keep that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes we misinterpolate. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the essence of conspiracy theories is because if you think about like, like the, the the big conspiracy theories are always about like the the machinations of government to do evil things to us, right? And if you've ever worked closely with a government department at any point in your life, they can't organize a piss up in a brewery. So how can they how can they organize a cover up that involves masses of people? And do you know what I mean? Mm. I think terrible things happen. And terrible things do get covered up, but I don't think it's a massive conspiracy. I think it's just a, a fuck up that somebody tries to put in a drawer somewhere and then somehow these other things connect. But yeah, I, I, and therefore misinterpolation of all these things. If that is is that what it means? Yes. Uh, yeah. very okay. much so. Yeah. 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 It, Actually, it is the same. Mm. Sorry, just, just on that same point. Um, I have a, fr- a friend in the UK. Uh, so, so in particularly in the town that we live in in Norway it's a very small place and as you walk around people really stare at you and it's really disconcerting because my friend gets really annoyed about it he goes what are they fucking staring at and I'm trying to explain I said I feel the same way as you do but I do understand that we live in a small place where everybody knows each other and we don't we yeah. we stick out in some way shape or form I said now nobody's ever taught 
people in this town that it's rude to stare. Mm. And you don't, I said, you know, we've lived in London and stuff where you don't dare stare at anyone because you'll get a smack in the mouth. So, so we've been conditioned in our culture, but it doesn't mean that this culture is wrong. Ah, talking of conditioning, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gets me on to BF Skinner's operating conditioning. <laughs> yes. Um, it's well, a long I, time since I read Skinner, so yeah. Yeah, Skinner... Um, a long time for myself but also i kind of got back into him during the early time of the uh state of emergency in japan where i i did that short introductory course in psychology um and we covered bf skinner in that but yeah um but uh, yeah i i experience what you're talking about in japan quite often um, yeah. I've had friends who can't stand the fact that a little child will stare at them in a shop. I'm mm. like, look, you have blue eyes. <laughs> it may be the first time that child has ever seen someone who has blue eyes. You are very different. You are fascinating. Mm. And so you can't blame a little kid from being absolutely mesmerized by difference. Yeah. Our whole physiology is geared towards noticing differences. And yeah, it's, it, and, and that, that, that's an ancient <laughs> thing of, of, of like something different will either attack you or <laughs> so it's a physiological response. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it dangerous? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. If if some weird creature came out of the woods that I'd never seen before in my life, I'd keep my fucking eyes on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and try and absolutely. run. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is where. Um, so back to the earthquake. I I I was writing about. Um, I was writing my book. I'm writing it in Japanese, but that's another story. Um, right. I'll, I'll, I don't I go down that rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> we'll be on it we'll for four hours, We'll come back to it later. John. We'll come back to it later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I was writing something, and I've made a new friend in the world of philosophy, um, another YouTuber. Um, uh, I commented on a video they had made um, uh, and like basically um, they replied to me and um, uh, and then pointed me to another video they'd made which uh, kind of relates to um, fizzy thoughts of right. how can you settle down when your life wasn't fizzy to begin with um, right. Yeah. That that uh, we were discussing, um, like Bilbo Baggins um, being the sort of archetypal human condition of should I go out and have adventures or should I stay at home and be safe? Um, yeah. Whereas I and I've just experienced an earthquake um, where 
certain people in society might say, oh, but Kevin, you've moved to Japan and Japan has earthquakes and you've put yourself <laughs> in the situation. You should bloody well accept that you have earthquakes and that sometimes you're going to be shocked by how scary these earthquakes are. And so I was, I was trying to formulate my thoughts on this person's video. And someone else I know had mentioned that they'd experienced an earthquake in Ecuador. Um, mm. And her partner comes from Ecuador. And that her, what surprised her was that she hadn't experienced an earthquake um, and was kind of like, oh, this is funny, this is strange, <laughs> as the building is shaking. And whereas her partner, who grew up in Ecuador, is running around panicking, like, oh, my God. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it occurred to me that just because we've grown up in a country that has earthquakes doesn't necessarily mean that we're resilient to them or we're blasé about them. Yeah. No, because, I mean, I, I live in a country that has frequent avalanches, but I haven't experienced one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, but yeah. And, and, yeah. I think it's, um, you know, we are all different. We all handle things in different ways. Um, yeah. And, and for some reason, as I was writing, I thought, uh, I was writing a reply to this friend who was talking about her experience in Ecuador and mm. and I was positing that people that come from earthquake prone geographic locations um, yeah are are no different than people who come from places that don't have um, these geographic conditions um yeah. and the way i expressed it was more along the lines of um uh oh um pygmalion the um my fair lady oh, song george bernard shaw yeah 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 yeah, yeah. In, where is it in hartford herefordshire and hampshire Earthquakes hardly ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As I wrote it, I wrote the word earthquake with with H in parentheses. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. so that they could see my cleverness. <laughs> they could see <laughs> the uh, this illusory pattern perception of theirs would actually yeah. notice that I had written earthquake instead of earthquake. But as I looked at it, I I had failed to realise that I had written the word heart, heart earthquake. And I looked at it and thought, maybe this is connected to Lacan. And when he talks about the rupturing of reality when we have an experience that shocks us and we go <gasps> and we get a glimpse of the real could this be yeah. called a heartquake have i just invented a new word and that that in its essence 
if if going down the Walker Percy route, if you had an experience that there was no one else around to validate and and you just happened to have it without having pre-planned it is that a heartquake yes like you went to look for the grand canyon but you discovered this other bit that nobody's ever told you about there wasn't anybody there to take a picture it's your chimping (laughs) i'm chimping i'm chimping yeah yeah yeah. i'm I'm chimping over my experience And I, I like. I think it's a real shame. I've seen that. Like when I was a kid, my mum used to take us out on drives, and she used to just love just driving down wrong roads and see what happened, you know. And nine times out of ten, she got us lost, and after time, we ended up in the middle of a bloody field or something, and or fog or on top of a mountain. But it was great because we. And she was saying like it's a real shame now because you have like gps so you always know where you are and uh, and you're on a even here like any mountain you're on you can still get 4g so it's like oh i wonder where i am i wonder what the background of this is i wonder who else has been here and it's annoying because i love just things happening by accident that, that that's you like a bit of chaos i like it yeah i i i quite like going somewhere without really thinking about where I'm going. You like a little bit of disorder in your universe. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's weird because also on the same token, I'm a control freak when I've got to do things. Like if I've got to go somewhere and be somewhere, I like to get there early. I like to methodically go through everything. But when I just go, oh, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I like those moments. Yeah. <laughs> of, I like... of intended chaos, of I think, chosen chaos. I think, I think we're similar creatures in that respect because i yeah. like uh, i like um i like being the master of mm. uh you know i'm riding this beast of chaos <laughs> and i'm <laughs> in control of the fucker <laughs> um but yeah when it throws me yeah i kind mm. of enjoy sitting on the ground giving it thought about why did that happen <laughs> I like I I strangely operate very well in in kind of crisis. I can stay calm, and then I can kind of like, and I kind of thrive on it because one of the things I quite like about crisis or chaos is you don't really have time to overthink it. Uh huh. (laughs) No. Yeah. There's something you've just reminded me that was bloody funny. Right. This is very funny. Now, you know, I'm a I'm an advocate of mask wearing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Slightly, yeah, yeah. I, I I do think that wearing masks is is good and you're trying to not kill everybody around you. Um mm-hmm. or at least you're showing willing. <laughs> I do get <laughs> yeah. a little bit like why why do you think that like wearing your mask below your nose why do you think half masking is going to persuade me that you're kind of all right um i i you know um wouldn't life be swell if everybody wore a mask and we actually managed to get on top of this pandemic like within a month or two if just absolutely everybody wore a mask if you don't wear a mask you're shot dead okay by a bolt from the sky 
will come down and shoot you through the head like in Alice in Borderland. Um, like, yeah. but you must wear a mask. Like, I'm going to have a fascist regime for two months. Everyone must wear a mask. You go outside your house not wearing a mask. Sorry, boom, you are dead. You're, you're in actual fact given a 10-second warning. Go back inside and put a mask on or the bolt was coming, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we could actually eradicate coronavirus without a vaccine, just like that, okay? Mm -hmm. But obviously my freedom to do what I like is more important. Well, how, how do you sit, because this, this aligns with the, the conspiracy theory as well, how do you sit about the people who, who don't want to have vaccines? Fine, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I reacted very bad. A, a friend sent me this video that was like, it, it, and it was it, it had been made in the style of a BBC news report. And I, mm. I hate it when something passes itself off as something it isn't to convince people. But it was like a Facebook video. And it did this whole thing of like, statistically, the majority of people under, it's like a, People under 55 have a 99.9 or 99.5% uh, survival rate. And it was showing all the figures. Mm. And, da, 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 da. and I was yeah. like, what? So fuck everyone over 55 then? Yeah. The, the, I was like, the, re the reason to get a vaccine isn't about you. No, no, <laughs> it's about sake. everybody else. It's about how much you care about having a normality. Well, whatever normality is. It's about having a system operating as it close to um, how it used to operate prior to 2020. Um, yeah. What society do you want to live in? I don't care. I'm, I'm quite happy that yeah. if I'm vaccinated, great for me. I don't have to certainly think about um, whether or not I will die. As opposed to, I, I still have to think, well, I can still get the virus. It won't be very pleasant, but after a couple of weeks, I should be fine. Okay, Because, say, AstraZeneca reports that zero subjects died mm. from coronavirus in their study. Um, it's pretty much 100% guaranteed that if you're vaccinated, you will not die very high chance that you won't you'd be asymptomatic very high chance that um you're immune um but ultimately um i think there are many people who um definitely in japan which has one of the lowest um uh rates of confidence in vaccines in the world um, right. And is that because of any historical reason? Is there yeah, they, they had uh, problems with an MMR vaccine um, yeah. and the, the, the um, faith in vaccine, the level of um, trust in vaccines just plummeted. Even right. that said, I think um, still we're bordering 70% of the population uh, will be vaccinated. However, if I listen to my students, it seems to me that more like 50-50 um, 
right. I, I, I'm a little bit unlike the conspiracy theorist um, person I know. I'm, I'm like, look, it's your choice. Personally, myself, as soon as a vaccine's available, fucking jab it in my arm. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah. want to start... I want to start traveling and I want to start cycling and getting the train without this feeling of, holy shit, I care so much about other people, what other people are doing right now, that it's crippled me for being able to travel and live as I want to live. And and, and the, the bit I don't get about it, about anti-vax, people mm. i suppose i mean like like okay the, the, I, I understand how you know people can be anti anti-pharmaceutical i get that i understand why people are anti-pharmaceutical um but i i, I don't quite understand like people say oh you know we, we shouldn't be sheeple and it's like why are you picking not to be sheeple now on yeah. this on this issue <laughs> Yeah. Like you've been paying tax, you've been doing all the other stuff. That, are, you that on, is like are you on Facebook? Like... <laughs> exactly. It's, are you it's on like Facebook? You want the advantages, but you're not willing to trade a moral value? Yeah. Um, it, it, fuck off. I, I, I just find that, that, that kind of... Yeah, that kind of... I'm gonna. I'm. I'm picking this. This is. This, this is, is my the mound that I'm this gonna die on. This is where the buck stops. This is where I, I must draw, draw the here. line because <laughs> because it's the worst economic situation since 1832. <laughs> I was and listening it, it, to. I was listening to Rowan Atkinson. Um, uh, his sketch. Oh yes, yeah. From not the where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How will we know where we've got to, where we wanted to go? <laughs> Do we have a map? <laughs> and uh, and actually, when I was watching Adam Curtis and they were talking about um, Zhang Qing, um, yes, Chairman yeah, yeah, Mao's yeah. wife, and her, yeah. her idea about unity and being one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. because it comes a time where we must stand up and be counted I am therefore standing up and shall be counted what <laughs> and, and the vision of this anti-vaxxer entered my brain yes because I have to stand for something because if I don't stand for something I mean nothing and I can't be meaningless <laughs> I know it's it's it it's, but it, it's funny. It's, I, I was reading something recently about, uh, and it was actually from a sort of pro Facebook slant, but it was just saying like the all of the social platforms now are essentially the same way as as cities were in like the previous century, in the sense of people talked about, well, when they built the cities and then all these people came together, that's when the problem started. Because when people lived in small kind of rural uh, uh, enclaves, everybody knew who each other was. And you, you by, pro, by a process, you all get along harmoniously because you all live within a proximity of each other and, and da, da, da. 
and cities took that away that kind of by pushing everybody together and facebook is like it's bringing everybody together mm. um and all this noise and opinion it just regurgitates and regurgitates and regurgitates and then everybody has to have an opinion on everything yeah and stand for something and 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 we're all guilty of it. We all we all fall, yeah, into it's, the trap. Well, uh, this is it. Um, I've just realised where we are time wise. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think, oh, um, kind of brings me to thinking about Altazir. Um Altazir's yeah. ideas of um, RSA and ISA. Um, so RSA is the repressive state apparatus that we have in place, like the army and the police would be yeah. obey the law, <laughs> otherwise yeah. you're going to prison, um, or you will be shot. Um, for not so wearing a face mask, yeah. <laughs> not wearing a face mask, a bolt from the sky, that's my RSA, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, Versus the ISA, the ideological state apparatus. And this is where school and the media and now social media enter the fray. Because culture, I guess. Culture culture is is part of the ideological state apparatus. But then we have to think about how we've interpolated our our ideology. Um, mm. And how much of our ideology is based on an apor- aphorism uh, or our apophenia? Um, yeah, just for the fact that something sounds pithy and smart doesn't necessarily make it smart. It's the falsifiability of it, the scientific mm. method behind it. Um, especially when our ideological system is being used to control us through the gaze of others on something like social media, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I've done a classic, right? Right. <laughs> of joining the dots like smart Mr. Richardson. <laughs> Are you <laughs> able to follow me? <laughs> Are you? Are you as smart as me? <laughs> Well, or are you as stupid as me? Because I guess I could be, like, one of the most stupid people of the world. Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. But then that's me. <laughs> um, we, we, we need an ethnologist here to we do. validate We do. We or do a, need or an, or a okay. proper philosopher, maybe. Well, yeah. well right, yeah. Actually, I've got a new philosopher friend I should consult. <laughs> and, um, uh, so, so, yeah, I was thinking about how these systems have, are controlling us. And mm. then, I, then I was thinking about um, a Japanese philosophy of Kintsugi. And this idea, I, I remember we've spoken about this before, but basically you break a ceramic bowl and you glue oh, yeah, it back yeah. together with gold yeah. resin and both aesthetically it's more beautiful than it was before it was broken but it's also stronger because the resin is so tough right okay and so thinking about 
um, where we're at with um, we've smashed Trumpism, broken the bowl. Yeah, but it's coming back together again with golden resin for this side of the political spectrum. Um, And likewise, um, democratic um, side of the political spectrum had been smashed with Trump. And now Biden is back and the bowl has been repaired, but not fully. But it's interesting because actually we we associate in ideological perspectives that, that sort of Trump and Reagan and Bush were more leaning to the RSA, right? The repressive mm-hmm. kind of state. But when you actually look at the facts, I think like Obama did way more <laughs> of this kind of stuff. And and, and like, like when you actually think, I'm, I'm not trying to make an apology for Trump at all. I think he's awful. But, you know, as a president that didn't initiate any wars, like the, there's a lot of noise, but there's not much substance where almost every other president, I mean, and when you start looking into the kind of stuff Clinton did, oh. it's dreadful in terms of RSA. I think we're I think we're fast forwarding to something I have to say about counterculture and Trump. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm going there. I'm going okay. there. Go on then. Um, go on then. Go on then, Sam. Go on then. Shall I go there? <laughs> all right, all right, mate. Well, watch me bloody go then, because I was thinking about Kintsugi, and then I started thinking more generally. I remember you asked me a long time ago, what is the difference between Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy? Yes. And on this journey I've been on for a few weeks now, thinking about an argument between Newton and Leibniz. Um, They had a falling out over calculus. They both invented calculus within about two weeks of each other and, and could not come to uh, an agreement on who had created calculus first. Um, a common dilemma. A common dilemma, yes. I'm falling out I'm falling out with my conspiracy theorist friend and I'm not talking to you anymore. Thank you very much. I don't need your bloody opinion. You're a liar. <laughs> and um, at the crux of the matter, like Newton went on and did fuck all else after calculus. Um, uh, Leibniz invented the bit because he realized that these 10 digits on my hand were the reason why we have base 10. And then going from that, he rationally, you know, um, rationalized the fact that we could have base 29 or or we could theoretically have base two, ones and noughts. And then from that um, came uh, Boole and Boolean algebra, the basis of computers. And uh, as you'll see in the Adam Curtis, so I'm sure you've already seen, Charlie. Uh, yeah, 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 he covers the Boole was very important, as was his granddaughter, I think it was. Yes, um, yeah. Anyway. Leibniz was so um, delighted by the fact that he had realised that we could have base two, you could have ones and noughts, that he thought this um, really 
um, trumped his argument over the monad, the um, like fundamental belief in Eastern um, philosophy um, right. to do with duality. And so he sent a letter to the emperor of China because he thought the emperor of China must be the person you must write to to actually concede that he is wrong and that I am right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Has I get his I get I get his his algorithmic logic there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Very logic. binary. It's, it's very brilliant binary. logic. I mean, yeah. I'm right or I'm or, wrong. Am I yes. right? Am I wrong? After years, the Chinese sent him a reply. And the reply from the Chinese was the Tao Te Ching interpreted into Latin. Okay. So it wasn't that they were like, ah, I better tell him he's fucking on the wrong fucking planet. Um, yeah. And quickly jot out a reply going, nah, you, you, you made a mistake, mate. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, they said, oh, this is an interesting idea. He seems to believe he's correct here. And they sent in the Tao Te Ching, which basically explains the Eastern philosophy, and this is how we see the world. And it's not a case of either or, it's a case of both and. The yeah. yin, the yang show that a state of something can exist both at the same time simultaneously. So my belief against the conspiracy theory and the person who does believe in this conspiracy theory can both exist at the same time and the universe does not explode. <laughs> and I think, I th and I may be wrong on this, um, but I am sure that somebody has done like a quantum mechanics test of this recently to show <laughs> to show that basically all reality is based on the perception from the perception point. Yeah. And therefore alternative realities do exist based on where the uh, I'm simplifying obviously something very complicated, but you know, I'm sure Christopher Nolan will make a film about it one day. And, so. and, you've, and you've reminded me that I am but an amateur scientist <laughs> for I could not do those cal calculations John no. I would just have no. to um, take the scientists word for it and be presented with their scientific evidence that their calculations were correct yeah. I'm not I'm not smart enough to be able to do the calculations myself. I would have to rely on my my bond of trust in the science and, yeah, yeah, I, and my yeah. belief that science is ultimately um, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, and this was a theme covered in Lost, wasn't it? John Locke versus... Um, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Uh, Jack, um, Jack Shepard. Um, yeah, of the Christian yeah. Shepherd Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, like basically, um, when I was studying the Carl Jung um, last week, uh, um, I was reading a chapter which got into this thing called Enantiadromia. 
Right. That was a very new word for me. And I've read a book an- on you. Anantiodromia, yeah? Anantiodromia. Um, right. Although I think I'm pronouncing it incorrectly because I've watched a couple of YouTube videos. Someone pronounces it the same as me. And Anantiodromia. And someone else says, no, nah, that's pronounced wrong because he's introduced on the stage to give a talk and he says, yeah, you did pronounce it wrong. It's enantiodroma. Okay. You don't not enantio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's not really that important. Well, it is to some people. It isn't yeah. important to me. <laughs> now, to enantiodromians, yeah. <laughs> this, this blew my bloody mind that it seems to answer everything that I've been thinking about for a long time. This tendency of things to change to their opposites, especially as a supposed governing principle of natural cycles or psychological development. Ergo, counterculture, punk, makes way for Trump. Yep. George Lucas becomes a twat. We become the very thing we fought against. And, and, and that, that you see that always in revolutions. Often the people who rise out of revolutions and end up becoming just as bad, if not worse, mm. than the, the the previous oppressing regime. Because yeah. maybe we, maybe it's just it's really difficult to run things and therefore you end up making all these the, stupid the biggest enantiodromia I've ever seen is the dream of the internet to be a wonderful tool to communicate yeah. globally. And yeah. what have we become? We've become a society that doesn't read a damn thing anyone else has to say. We're all too busy talking and not listening. Mm. And I'm, I'm almost at the point of I've had it with fucking social media. Fuck it. It's time I did something about it, and I have done something about it. And it might sound like a compromise because I am not uh, going to um, delete my Facebook accounts. I am going to basically try something where I ask people to sponsor me to not use social media. Okay, yeah. Because I think that is a much better model of sponsorship to say, Kevin, don't use social media for, let's say, one month. And here's the amount that you will sponsor me to not use social media for one month. Because I'm trying to distance myself from an addiction that I think is an unhealthy addiction. I think yeah. it's um, uh, something that needs to be reevaluated. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't like my relationship with it. It's time that no, I, I did something about it. And I think about like the kind of conversations you and I used to have. I know circa two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Like, which was you know, two thousand and eight was very much the utopian part of web 2.0 right yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, 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 po- it's post the early you know 
uh, early internet kind of utopian people, but there was a big utopian thing. And I think like you and I would look at Twitter and go, this is amazing. You can connect with people and, and listen to yeah. people. And it's all, wow. all wonderful. And it was. It's just and, like and, when the internet was invented or when the World Wide Web yeah. came about and I could do this and it's amazing. Wow. But what has it become? <laughs> I know. And, and and I adored Facebook when it first came along. I was like, great. Mm. I can connect with people that I find it really hard to keep in contact with. And, yeah. da, da. and then it just and, – and, and the thing is, is, is I lament – and I mourn the the death of that of yeah. of, of the of, of the early thing because I still and I think particularly maybe we both feel this and that, that's why we do this podcast you know it, yeah. it's we both feel like you can't just go down the pub and have like what I loved about Twitter is it's like a big pub and sometimes right. you could even meet up in the pub with the people you'd met on Twitter and it was all cool and people exchanged ideas and it was it was all fun and then now you live a bit more remotely and stuff and you still want to connect with people. But actually I realized that the algorithms of Twitter and even the algorithms of Facebook don't actually allow me to do that. I mean, uh, we're heavily connected on Facebook and yeah. the amount of times your posts don't even show up in my timeline, yeah. you know? Also, yeah. also here's the other thought. I've been obsessing by the fact that I think it's the algorithms that decide what feed other people. But I've actually started thinking, Perhaps the algorithms are feeding the people, yeah, but they've gone, fucking hell, not another philosophy post from Kevin Richards, fucking hell, I'm not reading all this, I don't have the time, people don't have the time, because they're all so fucking busy, yeah, and that, mm -hmm. that's fair enough, honestly, I think about it myself and think, do I read other people's? But no, I fucking don't. <laughs> and and the demands we make for our self validation are just becoming too bloody much. We've got well, to think, think about the fact that mm. it's two way or it's multiple ways, but essentially communication is a two way thing. And if we're so busy pushing out content but not actually consuming it. What are we doing? We're we're just creating entropy. Yeah. Um, we're ca creating and, and, chaos in the universe. Um, and I think we're we're, hook, we're hooked on Facebook not as a content consumption thing. We're hooked on it because it's probably in many cases the only way we're connected to a bunch. To, there, there are certain people who we are connected to on Facebook and it's the only way we're connected. So if you come away from it, you can't even converse with them. And then you can sit back and go, but I don't converse with them anyway. But yeah. well, but well, it's, it, 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 it's, it's sort of gambler's fallacy. You think like, well, if I stop it, I won't yeah. have it anymore. That's right. Now, now this all came to a head mm -hmm. when I uh, saw a photo of a gingerbread man. See, I took a photo um, eight years ago um, of a, ginger man, a gingerbread man called Godfrey. I went out, it was when I was working with you. Um, I right. went out one lunchtime to prep. I remember out. this. I remember Godfrey, yes. Yeah, you yes. remember Godfrey. Well, Godfrey. I do remember Godfrey, the, yeah. Godfrey was in the media a few weeks later because of gender um, 
um, issues about Godfrey's right. sexuality. Um, okay. Well, of course, I took a photo of Godfrey and, uh, and I wrote him an obituary and I ate the fucker. And that was it for Godfrey. And yeah. I, d- I gave Godfrey no more thought. Godfrey was in my tummy. I wasn't sad. I didn't grieve him. I ate Godfrey. Um, yet Facebook reminded me of his loss. And because I posted a photo on Facebook, the algorithms had oh, realized yeah. that Godfrey was a significant event in my life and that they must remind me of right. Godfrey. So yeah. I see a picture of Godfrey and I think, oh, I remember Godfrey. Yeah, it was funny. He had a name. Therefore, he was. <laughs> therefore, Godfrey had more significance because he had a yes. name. That was where yeah. I thought it was amusing. Right. And of course, now I'm reading Symbolic Exchange and Death. And I'm thinking about the death of Godfrey. And the death of Godfrey. Yeah, wow. That's amazing that a gingerbread man had such big value that Facebook realised that he's significant to me and I must remind you of his existence. Okay. Later on in the day, a friend of mine posted a photo of us all at school and our year, um, our school year photograph from 1984 and I see a kid and I think, oh yeah, he was really a nice kid. Oh God, yeah, he's dead, isn't he? I remember talking to someone and am I right? Is he dead? I can't really remember. I mean, we were friends, but we're not that close and we're not connected on Facebook. So I don't know if he's still alive anymore. I'll tell you what, I'll get on Facebook. I'll check out his profile and see whether or not he's communicating. And if he's communicating, then he's obviously alive. Mm. And I looked at his Facebook uh, wall, and all mm. I saw for the last since 2015 was happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, yeah. have a good one, happy birthday. <laughs> no replies, and I started crying because I mm. realized that Godfrey the gingerbread man was more significant to me than this person who had lived, who I'd laughed with at school, who I'd been in art class with and pissed around with. And and all of this, I just started weeping my bloody... I, I started right. crying my eyes out. Because, 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 because Facebook had decided. Not, because not Facebook you, you, had you decided. Didn't feel that, yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is what I've become. And this is what society has become. Nobody gives a fuck about what I'm writing. No one gives a fuck about the photographs I'm taking. With just click a like button. Just wish someone happy birthday, even though we don't give them enough thought to actually realise they're dead. And, 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 I, and, and so after this, I asked another friend of mine, this person is dead, aren't they? No, no, they're not dead. Really? Ah, that's nice. But it's still, you know, the realisation that because I'm not connected, I'm only seeing the public communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This person has decided not to reply to people who don't yeah, yeah, yeah. usually communicate with them, you know. 
But it's still it's still a poignant point, isn't it? It's still a it's, poignant point that that, 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 a... that regardless that that Facebook makes these weird algorithmic decisions, and then it also points out how we're having we're yeah, having this kind of crisis in society that 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 yeah. people themselves. It's not the algorithms. Yes, it is the algorithms. It's not. It's not the Western philosophy of either or. It's this: the algorithms and us. It's our ideology. It's our belief in the in the world that um, this person gets a like, this person doesn't. I will read this person. I won't read this person. I will snooze this person because they write too much about Brexit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that goes back to a, a, another conversation but i and like myself why should i expect people to be reading everything i write why should i be um expecting people to look at every image i present to them and i need to do something about this relationship because it's not healthy it really isn't but the answer is not um, deleting Facebook. Yeah. Facebook has value. Facebook does have a place. But I'm not sure mm. about the relationship. I need to do something with this relationship. And, and because I've been reminded about um, uh, our desire for the gaze of the other, the big other, mm. um, I need to do something about um, uh, changing my relationship with the big other. Um, so, well, it, yeah. I, it, it, it's. I mean, I, I I don't know what it is, but there was definitely. I mean, I, I got very hooked on on Twitter uh, in like twenty twelve, and 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 had this sort of thing going where I was making like silly videos once a week and people were liking it and sometimes it would it would really resonate with people and I was like oh I'm special I'm I'm doing something yeah. that resonates you had, and you then had and then loads of followers on Twitter from what I remember yeah yeah and, and, and when I when I moved here it was like the, the main reason I was on Twitter was was, was I had four hours of train time to kill and i would be like oh this is this is my witty thought for the day or, or commentary yeah. on whatever and i quite it was quite 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 funny and and it passed the time but then when i moved here i didn't have that and i also didn't have those thoughts anymore because i wasn't spending the time on the train and it's funny i just completely dropped off and it's funny every now and then i go back on twitter but it's not the same and and I think because of that prior relationship, it's like I'm on Instagram and I don't really care about what anyone, whether anyone likes photographs. And and when I go through, I quite often go through a timeline and go, oh, that's nice. That's, but I don't ever think like, it's not in my lexicon now to mm. like and give the affirmation anymore. It's mm. like, I will read stuff, but I won't necessarily, because I, I, I don't even think about giving likes. Well, this is what I like about our podcast. Ultimately, I think uh, that that um, I really like our podcast because this is this is what I think of as communicating, and I don't, yes. you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing 
with Facebook or Instagram. Um, I, well, I th those that, are a way of broad. They are a way of broadcasting, but they are not a way of communicating. Um, but there's something I need to do about it. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, um, yeah. That seems to be a, a fairly good place for us to end. That's a good place to leave. That seems like a good place to leave that musing for next time. That's right. Because we can there's, we can explore that more. And, and conversely, where where are we at in a month's time or whatever? That's in right. In relationship I mean, to that, yeah. I mean, I'm sure okay. this enantiodromia will give us food for thought over the next month. Yes. Cool. All right, mate. Lovely to catch up with you again. And you, George. <laughs> All right. Take care. Cheers. All right. Bye. As a young kid, I studied the unknown on the internet, sacred geometries, Metatron's cube, the flower of life, the world soul, you know all that when you're, when you're a kid, you know you want to try and understand the world, try and find your place in it. People love to tell you your place in it, but isn't that just for them? Isn't it always just for them? But it makes sense to want to know what your place in the world should be. Like it's not much for a lot of people.